Hi, my name is Marcia Chatlin. I'm a professor of history at Georgetown University, but more importantly, I'm the host of Office Hours, a podcast. This is an opportunity to get a window into my world where I talk to students about the things that are most important to them. So please join us for Office Hours for the things we don't talk about in class. Hi, Alex. Hello, Marsha. Good to see you. You have blue hair now. I love it. I do. It looks fabulous. Tell us the story behind the hair. Well, so sometime last fall, I went to get my hair cut, and my wonderful hairdresser, Nathan Mizuno of Vidal Sassoon, he's now in California, you all should see him, asked me not to cut my hair, and he said he didn't want me to because... He wanted me to wait two weeks to be, so I could be a hair model for their salon. So you're not only an incredible web designer, you're not only the producer of Office Hours, this, oh. you are also a hair model? Yes, I am. I am. <laughs> Do you put that on your resume? You know, I haven't, and I'm off of LinkedIn. Like, I kind of keep a low profile. I, you haven't updated that? I haven't updated it, no. Um, but the blue, it wasn't planned. I have to say it was not planned. <laughs> okay. Um, Love the color, but I wear all black. I was actually trying to go a pale gray. For your hair. I was. Um, I love gray. Me too. I thought it would be a nice uh, departure for spring. <laughs> Something a little lighter, a little more uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the jet black dye I had in my hair, which is very Morticia Adams chic, uh, was not able to be bleached out completely. Mm -hmm. So after 12 hours in the chair, so my hairdresser looked at me. And she's like, Alex, what are we going to do? I was like, Jennifer, I trust you. She's like, okay, we're going to do blue. And it. so she yeah, so that's how I did it. And so there's actually a ton of variation colors. You can kind of see there's like aquamarine. She did like this color dipping technique and yeah. So let me ask you, so two, I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, the first one is when did you develop the all black uniform? Oh, <laughs> well, I would say that it happened. Oh, uh, spring of twenty fifteen. No, it was it was probably fall twenty fourteen. And you decided this is my uniform. Absolutely, yeah. I decided it wasn't. It was an incremental process. Uh -huh. But I had realized I had originally worked for the government and wore very very dull pinstripe suits and had kind of acquired this aesthetic that didn't necessarily feel very me mm -hmm. and. I had always in college, I did that kind of 90s grunge Winona Ryder, like, heroin chic thing. Mm -hmm. Heroin chic without the heroin. No like, heroin, no folks. Heroin. You can have the chic without the drugs. You know, but, like, student activist type thing, mm -hmm. that, that look. And I hadn't updated my wardrobe since college, so I started working in D.C. It was, like, these two extremes, ripped shorts versus Tahari pinstripe suits. Mm -hmm. Bought on sale, thank you very much. Um... So after a while, I had left that job. I, I switched and I started working in nonprofit and I could wear whatever I wanted. And I thought to myself, you know, what do I really want? What have I always wanted? And I had always been drawn to kind of that minimalist aesthetic, not so much like minimal to the point of being stark and like mm -hmm. like de almost de signaling deprivation. <laughs> Rather, I like 
a hard line. I mm-hmm. like the things looking clean. And also, I like not thinking in the morning. So this is every, like, article I read about successful women who lean all the way in, they have a uniform. And it's usually women who are in really creative fields, which I think is really interesting. And Mm. men, too. So, like, um, your Michael Kors, you know, like, he's, like, I just wear one kind of thing all the time, and that's what I wear, and I'm done. Yeah. And I think that there's something to it, because I think that for really kind of motivated, ambitious people, they're like, how do I want to allocate my time in the morning? And it's not picking up my outfit. It's putting on my uniform and it like allows them all this other space. I've been dying to get a uniform. I have no uniform. Oh my God, let's go shopping. It would be so I, fun. Here's the, here's, here's my fundamental okay. problem, right? I feel like I have all of these great fashion role models mm-hmm. in a kind of unfashionable career. So like the professor look can mm-hmm. be a little sad and everyone makes fun of it and you can make fun of it too. Um, but there's a lot of other kind of um, history professors my age, women, who are incredibly fashionable. Oh, yes. So, um, if, listeners, if, you, if you're if you interested in who they are, you, you've got your Tiffany Gill, uh, University of Delaware. It has been documented in the American Historical Association <laughs> magazine about how fashion forward she is. Um, they're definite, like, subgroups within my profession. Um, there's one historian of fashion, Tanisha Ford, slays it every time you see him at a, see her at a professional meeting. So there was, like, a standard. Yeah. I'm not meeting that standard. But then there's this kind of DC aesthetic that I talk about on the podcast with our guest that's like the kind of pulled together lady. I don't mind being a pulled together lady, but um, I do need some, I just need a, I need to make a decision on what my style is going to be. If it's going to be pulled together DC lady, I can do that. Not my favorite. If I'm going to try to have some squad goals of like the fashionable lady history professor, I need to burn everything I own and start (laughs) over. Or if I just want to do uniform. Yeah, well, why can't your uniform pull from both of those? I think that's, that's a great key. question. Because even though, yeah, I, like wearing all black right now, I know that whenever I wear what I'm wearing, every pe- like shoe I've picked, every like t-shirt, I know that the pocket's right. I know that I like every piece mm-hmm. of it, and I can feel confident going wherever I am because it's been selected. You know, there's it's in the, it's all in the details. This is very true. Also, I you know when I when I go give a talk, I think about. The lighting, I think about being photographed and, like, what looks flattering. And that's, like, that one is actually a huge kind of destabilization process of, like, seeing yourself on television or, you know, being photographed and being like, oh, I really need to put it together better. I think think those are part of my goals right now. But I think when I see people like you who have such a clear aesthetic, I'm always, like, so envious because also it's part of making decisions. And I think for clothes, it's hard for me to decide what I like. Well, it it is hard, right? Because there's so many ways you can go. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the fun part about fashion, right? That you do have these options and you do yeah. have it. And I think you can add the the variance, but it's also sometimes good to have someone with you. Cause I actually believe a lot of women aren't confident in what they're wearing. They mm-hmm. don't know what looks right because you're actually pulling from too many sources. I think that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like internet brain information overload. So you're trying to take <laughs> this Greta Garbo reference mm-hmm. and then mix it up with like the Georgetown set mm-hmm. and what ends up looking, it's like glitch art. You know, mm. and a lot of people, unfortunately, like you dress on trend and you pick, put a shape and it doesn't work and someone won't, I think like we all need a friend to tell us like you have a great like set of legs or mm-hmm. like you really should show off that shoulder. Mm-hmm. 
but some of us don't do that. Right. And I, I think it's so important to have that, you know. A critical eye. Yeah, like yeah. get get one or two friends that you trust. I mean, when I make major purchases, I te- there are two people I text. Mm-hmm. And I say, should I buy this jacket? You know, and you go with them and then that's how you define it. Like that can be extremely helpful if you aren't certain. And I like that. Yeah, because I think a lot of times like we're unsure, does this look good? Or I do think mm-hmm. this is edgy and interesting, but is it too weird? Do I weird? look ridiculous? Am I too weird? Yeah. yeah. Crazy. And I, I think, no, a lot of times you don't. A lot of times you look awesome and that's like why you're freaked out because you look so cool. <laughs> And you don't recognize you, yourself. <laughs> yes. And everyone around you doesn't look as cool as you. I think so. that's one of the things. I think the bar is so low. Oh, it's so for low. In, my, in my, especially in my How professional low. world. Which is interesting because I think that, like, I think that that's the good thing about the DC culture influence. It encourages people to kind of pull themselves together more than I think oh, yeah. the average professor would. So I like it. But that's why I like doing these other kind of things because I'm like, okay, I need to not just dress for, like, you know, History 385. I perhaps have to dress for an audience. Um, but it's it's something that I always admire people who are good at it. Like, my older sister, this History Squad I tell you about, like, they are so good at evolving their looks. Yeah. And every time you see them, you're like, oh, my gosh. Makeup, hair, clothes, accessory, shoes, bag, like... All of these different elements. And I think that kind of like steely focus, you need to know what your style is. I only have that for, you know, like archival. (laughs) I can do that with archival material. I cannot do that with clothes. Today on Office Hours, I speak to Cheyenne Napier, a senior at Georgetown University, about springtime slayage. Hello, Cheyenne. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming. How are you? I'm good. I'm a senior. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing your senior thing? Yeah. How was your spring break? It was good. Mm-hmm. I had to be in uh, New York for work, so that was interesting. I work at a brand called Steppy Style. Um, I slept. I ate. I read. I saw the color purple. You know, the usual. Okay, so folks, this is what happens when your students are really fabulous. You try to relate to their lives, but you can't. Um, Well, I wanted to join you on the podcast because I wanted to do a spring fashion show. And I know nothing about fashion, so I'm useless in this conversation. So I thought, Rolodex, Rolodex, who to bring in with that conversation? So you are a stylist. Yes. You're an aspiring fashion executive. Yes. And I think it has been told to me by several people that you're one of the best dressed students on campus. That is such a nice thing to hear. You know, that, that, my head's getting a little big. My head's so, getting a little big. But I want to, I just want to hear about how you became so interested in clothes and fashion. Um, I don't actually know. It's, it's kind of weird. So I was looking back at some photos from high school the other day, and I was like, what in the world was I thinking? <laughs> right, like, what? Who told me that was okay? Um, I think it sort of started out with a friend in middle school. Um, she was always kind of into fashion and really fashionable, and I always had, like, the, the hip clothes of the time, but, like, you know, that was, like, Kooji, Jordans, I was from, mm-hmm. from Boston. Um, and so, it was, so, like, I don't know, I just always had access to the clothes of the time, but, like, I didn't really know what to do with them. And then I guess sort of one day in high school, or sort of maybe my sophomore year in high school, I just sort of started doing things that, um, helped me. It was there, fashion almost became like therapy. I picked up the piano. I started caring about what I wore. I started wearing makeup. I sort of I just sort of sort of uh, really paid attention to the creative things that I was interested in. So I guess that's how. So there's no like come Jesus moment. Like no come to fashion moment. It was just kind of like ah, fashion was one of many outlets. Yeah. 
And so in terms of making then the decision to come to college, did you think you were going to pursue a fashion career after college when you first started? No. In fact, it's funny because in high school, I, first of all, I thought I was going to be Alicia Keys. Um, I thought I was going to be a James Beard award-winning chef. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I, I thought I was going to be a doctor. I, I feel like in that span of four years, my sort of career path changed so many times. Mm-hmm. And it was because I, was, I had so many amazing opportunities to intern with people and learn about things. And then finally, when I got to college, I kind of realized that I wanted to pursue business. I kind of always knew, maybe in the back of my mind, but when I got to college, I became serious about it. Um, So great thing I became a bigger scholar, so I sort of been able to learn more about that. And now definitely I want to be a fashion executive or sort of working on the corporate side of fashion. Um, But yeah, no, it wasn't always always a linear path. There were many stops along the way. (laughs) So um, the Baker Scholars Program, for those of you who are not familiar, is a program that takes undergraduates of great promise who have a liberal arts education and batches them up with business opportunities. And so in the kind of climate where we do have these dedicated business schools on campus, how do you think your liberal arts education prepares you for business? Oh, my goodness. I feel like I'm so, first of all, I can read well, I can write well, because I'm an English major, right? And everyone needs to be able to do that. Um, But also, I feel like when I'm answering things or when I'm sort of thinking about different situations, different strategy, I can pull so much from so much, uh, not just sort of the numbers. Um, for instance, I was at Harvard Business School this summer, and we were doing different cases and sort of thinking through different things. And because I'm an English major, and because I, my English major requires that I sit in classes all day and discuss things, the case method became it was it just came to me naturally. So I feel like I'm more well prepared than I thought I would be, given that I'm an English major. And so when you think about you know the fashion industry uh-huh. as it is today, this is a topic I know very little about. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the kind of more interesting things that you think are happening in fashion right now? Um, so the most interesting thing, now forgive me, because I get the WWD papers uh, in my inbox every day, but I'm really behind. You've got to tell me what WWD, is that Women's Wear Daily? Yeah. Okay. Um, but, um, it, sort of the last time I checked, the biggest thing happening in fashion was sort of changing the way that um, collections are showcased, right? So people sort of, these luxury brands, these high fashion brands, became wary about peop- these fast fashion brands, I mean, not gonna throw no shade, being able to sort of like copy their yes. collections. So it's like, oh, okay, so instead of doing spring 2016 in August 2015 or whatever, we're gonna now do spring 2016 and spring 2016. So there's no lead time for yeah. the copycats to come out. Right, and it's not, not everyone has sort of done this. It's happening very slowly. Um, but I know that, um, oh, I can't remember this woman's name, Whatever. This woman, <laughs> the, she was the first person to do it. I, I can't remember this brand for life, mate. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because it wasn't like she was the laundry thing, so it really doesn't matter. But Oh, Jesus. Um, okay, folks, here's where we take a time out <laughs> in the interview. So um, one of the things that um, producer Alex Tyson and I had a conversation about when we talked about Beyonce was that there is a division between people who are Beyonce uh-huh. and people who are Solange. Mm-hmm. And Cheyenne, you've been team Solange since, since the beginning. One. What is it about um, Solange Knowles that does this for you? What is it about her sense of style? Okay, so first, I'm definitely in formation, right? So, like, I, I, I love Beyonce, Of too. course. We, we are all afraid right. to say anything bad about Beyonce. We've, we've covered that topic. Right. But why Solange? Um, because she's a slayer. 
Um, I think that Solange is almost like the epitome of a carefree black girl and that she says what's on her mind. She's never really been too afraid to uh, pursue the music that she likes. She's a DJ. She writes songs for people. Like She's so sort of multi-talented in a way that I don't think Beyonce necessarily had the opportunity to become. Uh, and post-2009, after she dropped House of Darion, being their sort of spokesperson, spokesperson, her style has just evolved. She became, she went from like, I don't know, uh, bring it on Solange to like Solange the Slayer, like killing it at the Met Gala. Like mm-hmm. she's just looking like a piece of art at the Met Gala. So that's why I love Solange, I think, because her style is impeccable. Also, she's the epitome of a carefree black girl. And I'm working on being a carefree black girl. <laughs> Not quite there yet, but I'm working on it. So who are your style inspirations other than Solange? Um, other than Solange. So that's kind of hard. Because I, Solange is just my life. But I can kind of give you some brands mm-hmm. and not people. Um, I don't have a list because some these fashion names um, are, you know, I don't want to be on your show messing up. <laughs> so I know that on, um, I know that for Halloween you dressed as Janelle Monet. I did. Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot about Janelle. I love her. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, I love, no, actually, no, seriously, when I think about whom I would love to dress like as Janelle Monet and Solange, first of all, Solange is just a killer. But Janelle Monet has sort of, uh, sort of embraced this very like feminine sort of style that's not quite feminine. I yes. love the way she does that. It's very. I mean, she talks about wearing the uniform yeah. as a tr- as a tribute to her family and to working class people, which I love the politics of that. And there's something that is very that's somewhat androgynous yeah. and also hyper feminine that makes it really interesting. Um, who else do you like to, or what other brands are you? Um, I also just love Janelle's black and white. I think it's mm-hmm. so clean. She always looks good. And now, in fact, Janelle um, has sort of been at Paris Fashion Week and wearing sort of Chanel and all kinds of different kinds of brands, just sort of killing the game, too. So let's not sleep on her. She's coming up. Um, but I love Roxanda. She's a woman. It's a brand based out of London. Love Roxanda. Like, love, love, love. Like, if I could wear Roxanda every day, I would, because I feel like she just captures my soul. Um, she sort of... She created her brand kind of after being into art and, like, all these things. So a lot of her fashion is just sort of very sort of heavily inspired by art. Um, I also really, really like Theory. Theory has beautiful, clean suits, always. And Martin is also a new favorite of mine. Um, I love Lanvin. Um, awesome. Also, let me think, let me think. I'll just give you one more. Huh? Oh, oh, Dries Van Noten. Um, love, 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 love. That's about it. So when I think of like myself, I think of like elegance, flair, elegance and panache. That's what I think about. You also like angles. I love angles. Oh my god, I love angles so, and I love cuts. So listeners, if you are, have Instagram, curated by Cheyenne is your Instagram. Yeah. Yep. Know that if you would like to be curated by Cheyenne, you can reach me at Cheyenne at curatedbycheyenne.com. That's mm-hmm. my email. Won't give out my phone number, but my Georgetown email address is also can38 at georgetown.edu. So when you style someone or when you're trying to come up with a vision for someone's look, uh-huh. what are the things that you, you take into consideration? So um, recently I was working with someone in Boston, and I had to sort of think about how sweaty this person is, right? The person didn't want, they, they had to have T-shirts that came mm-hmm. under their arms because they are very sweaty and they give speeches and, you know, they didn't want to have to dry clean their coats too much. So I guess, like thinking about sort of body perspiration, thinking about the function of the clothing. This person gives speeches a lot, so mm-hmm. they need to have on things that are that look good and light, but also nice and light and comfortable, so as not to sweat. 
also, I feel like I'm usually working with people who have the exact opposite style as me. Like, just, mm-hmm. not, like just so that's also something I have to take, keep in consideration because not everyone look, wants to look like Solange. Um, and, I usually work with, <laughs> and I usually work with older people. So the, uh-huh. the last person that I was working with is a woman um, sort of in life above her, her 50s, close to her 60s. So I couldn't be putting her in the row because it wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, yeah, so you have to keep in mind age style and sort of personal small things like perspiration sort of if you like to show your legs or not and skin tone Mm -hmm. can't stress that enough because melanin will melanin will do it for you but if if you're sort of light on melanin you got to be light on the colors it just doesn't all work out and so in terms of kind of thinking about where you'd like to see yourself Uh in fashion and styling where am i going to see you in 10 years when i'm reading women's wear daily i hope that in 10 years I will have graduated from Harvard Business School and sort of be a brand strategy uh, image consultant, sort of just helping people achieve the visual goals that they want. So like that means sort of executives, C-suite people, anyone, anyone who sort of has to sort of propel an image and wants to do that but doesn't have time to shop or doesn't have time to strategize, I want to be that person. Um, So kind of like Judy Ambrose but like with the HBS degree. Interesting. And so when you go to um, a school like Georgetown, that has, I think, a little bit of a creative culture, but we're in Washington. And so the the look in D.C. is very pulled together, buttoned up. Um, You know, people make fun of um, women in Washington, D.C. for just kind of being clones of the same, Mm -hmm. you know, practical outfits and, and, and stuff. Um, where do you find kind of your inspiration in a place like D.C. that isn't New York, that isn't London, that isn't Los Angeles? Um, I mean, so I'm definitely a fan of the pantsuit. Um, mm-hmm. That's, we're not going to get political here, but that's my favorite <laughs> thing about Hillary, the pantsuit. Um, <laughs> so you have an appreciation for the D.C. look because yeah. my friends who are very fashion forward or into fashion think that, you know, D.C. women's looks are terrible. I actually, I love the pulled together. Me too. Like Hill staffer look. Love I have, it. I, I have a deep love for it. Right. But I, I feel think, like a boss. But I think fashion people don't like it. I, I don't understand that. I, I don't know. I feel like because I love clean silhouettes, clean edges, clean cuts, very clean colors, I don't I, I don't understand that. Um, also, I just, I don't know, I like the structure of a suit. I like to feel put together and pulled together, and that's what a suit does if it's tailored correctly. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But I do think that it depends on what part of D.C. you're in, because I've noticed that in the more urban areas, it's this kind of, like, athletic... 90s thing that happens and so on this campus it's very preppy sort of you got all those stores on m street the more high-end stores and then there would be moments when i'm sort of seeing people who are clearly not from georgetown Mm -hmm. just because of the way they dress it's clear not because of Mm -hmm. whatever else but they sort of it's all sporty it's very it's interesting it almost gives me like uh, sports mixed with what's that DC music? What's it? Go 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 go. Like it all, just it's just a weird thing to me. It's mm-hmm. very unique. So I feel like sort of they're polar opposites. You have that very sporty go go look and also pull together look. So I mean I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't. There's no place in DC that I necessarily look for inspiration. I look at someone for inspiration. Only, um, but I don't know. So I, I don't know. <laughs> um, so when Solange isn't around, and um, <laughs> I know there's sadness. Where are um, where? Are you, so as students, as uh-huh. you and your friends, when you think about fashion uh, and style uh-huh. and makeup, what are the resources that you go to? So for someone in my in my uh, 
price range in my, my budget. Uh, uh-huh. Too bad I don't have Beyonce's budget. Um, I really like thrifting. I feel like you can get a lot of really, really wonderful things in a thrift shop. Um, also, I feel like J. Crew usually has good sales uh, when you catch them. They have very sort of classic cut pieces that go a very long way. Um, like a lot of the things that I pull from frequently are from J. Crew, um, and I got them all on sale. Also, I really think that um, Sephora is a good place for makeup because they have a bunch of different brands sort of that you can try, and if you don't like it, you can return it. I also love MAC lipstick um, for makeup. For shoes, it's kind of interesting because I have a love-hate relationship with shoes because I have a love-hate relationship with my feet. Um, but I, I'm really kind of into Kohan right now on sale, of course. I don't really do uh, retail prices for anything, but because um, I really like loafers. I think they're clean. When I think of my friends, I feel like my friends all kind of have different styles. Um, so I would say thrift shops, definitely. Sephora, definitely. And shoes, DSW, Steve Madden, because they always have good sales. Um, yeah, and I mean, I don't know anyone else who likes Kohan as much as me, so it doesn't really, so I don't have that. And so I think that this is interesting because your friend Alexis, who mentioned you Love in Alexis. her interview, she talked. Shout out to Alexis. She <laughs> talked about um, about women of color kind of, getting into the fashion and makeup yeah. space. And and so as someone who is entering that world, where do you see women of color making some strong interventions or some strong cases for themselves in an industry that has often been, you know, very inattentive right. to either the style preferences or the career paths of women of color? With body shapes, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my experience, it seems like a lot of people are creating their own things. Like in 2016, women of color are creating their own ideas and sort of that's how they're breaking into fashion. I know Kelly Rowland is about to come out with a new makeup line. Um, what is this woman's name? I can't, she's like, she's an older woman, but she does like dress wear. Um, I feel like a lot of older black women love her. I cannot believe her name. So Tracy... Tracy Reese. Tracy Reese. Yeah, um, um, Flotus like, wears Tracy yeah, Reese, and it's time. fantastic. She, first of all, shout out to Flotus, because she's been killing the entire game for a very long time. Flotus is an amazing In fact, Flotus model. touched one of my bags, and I'm never going to get rid of that bag. That's a different story. <laughs> so, so at that moment, I knew I knew my fashion game was just on 100. You know what's interesting? And then and now as Sasha Malia are getting older... Oh, my goodness. They are incredible. Did you see the pictures from I saw, Cuba? I saw the Oh, photos, my gosh. And I saw the stage dinner photos, and everybody was hating because those gowns are $20,000. I, I don't want to hear it. I don't I care. Have no I don't care. That. Me neither. So oh, what? my gosh. Who cares? What I love about Flotus, Flotus is over 50, yeah. and she is showing us what it's like to be a pulled-together woman who still has a playful style, yeah. who is, you know, and I don't know how I feel about this idea of age-appropriate, but um, yeah, she's just that? always stylish and always just doing something interesting always. with her look. Um, all right, so moment of silence um, for Flotus. Yeah, let's just... <laughs> let's just think about Flotus for a second. But um, in terms of seeing women of color, I mean, I think Flotus has done an incredible right. job in showing women of color so many flattering options and so many American designers and so many black designers that she's wearing. And I would also, I also sort of would like to comment on the fact that um, Flotus has gotten a lot of uh, sort of flack for her body type. I don't understand why. But so I do think that's also very important given Mm -hmm. sort of the nature of fashion and you know, sometimes something will fit your uh, waist, but not your bottom, or something mm-hmm. will fit your bottom, but not your waist. Uh, and you have to sort of have these people that make special jeans. And so I do think that um, women, black women who want to see themselves, are doing it for themselves. There's a new uh, lingerie brand out. Yes. Uh, 
that's I think it's called Skin or something, or, mm -hmm. but it's all for women of color. Um, there definitely are specific women of color brands, like, oh, I can't believe, I'm like all over the place right now, but there's this brand, as you can see, CVS, it's called like Nubian something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, they, like, so I feel like black women and black people are definitely sort of putting themselves out there and doing things for us, by us, which is what Solange likes to say because she got that from FUBU. <laughs> also, Solange has a new store. St. Heron has a new online store, which is probably where I'll be spending all my money paying for uh, her son's college uh, tuition. It's unclear. But definitely, I feel like black women are sort of putting themselves at the forefront and sort of being very entrepreneurial in the fashion industry and the, the uh, beauty industry. All right, Cheyenne, I have really enjoyed this conversation about fashion. And so I've been asking everyone on the podcast one last question. If there's anything you wish all your professors knew about you, hmm. but you never get a chance to talk about, what would that be? And because this is our special fashion issue, if you could give professors feedback on their looks, what would you suggest professors focus on? Um, you know, love all my professors, you know. <laughs> Because need that GPA to be high. Um, but I would say for men, I noticed that men really need their suits tailored. Like, they, the suits don't fit them properly. And, and even some men that you would expect to have a suit that fit them properly because of sort of their celebrity, they're all over the place. Um, and I think for women, most of the time, I, I feel like my women professors try to hide themselves. And I get it. You're in a professional setting, right? Like, you're a professor. You need people to take you seriously. Um, but I do think that I've had a few examples of professors who come in with nice cuts, nice haircuts, sort of they're not afraid to wear nice shoes, a nice shirt, like they're not afraid to be edgy with their style. So I would say for men, definitely get those suits tailored. And for women, don't be afraid to sort of show your own personality and your own style because people will respect you more when you're authentic. And the last question, if there's yes. something about you you wish all your professors could know, what would it be? Um, hmm. You know what? I wish all my professors could know that um, I don't believe in, in grades. Um, and I think that they're sort of oppressive. Um, I don't think that people should not be sort of, um, uh, there shouldn't be sort of some checks and balances and people should be able to, you should make people learning and following along. But I think that the idea that my GPA is my worth is sort of, it's very dangerous. Um, so for my professors and for Georgetown, people who are in control, let's definitely work to change that. Um, so yeah. Also, I would like to say, just about professors, I was having a conversation with a very special professor, very well sought after professor, and she was explaining to me about the way that professors are exploited, and I think it's egregious. I think that a professor in, at sort of at 50 years old shouldn't be having to worry about retirement because they make X money a year or they don't make enough or they have to take on five classes because they need to pay the rent. I just think it's out of control. And um, so I would say to my professors, um, stay strong. I'm glad that you get to do what you do and I wish that people would appreciate you and support you more. Thank you. Yeah. That was really funny. Thank you for visiting Office Hours. Office Hours, a podcast, is a production of Dr. Marsha Chatlin and Alex Tyson. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and only the speakers. Join us on social media, on Twitter at Office Hours Pod, and on Instagram on Office Hours Podcast.